To alternative, si- uh, probably science. Welcome to probably science. My name's Andy Wood. That's Matt Christian over there. Hey, Andy. <laughs> Welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> week Woo! week one. It's happened. We're still alive. <laughs> Ooh, are we? Just. Mm. We could be in a simulation already. Yeah. Hey, let's get right into yes. introducing our guest. Uh, <laughs> the the Creator and host of both the blog and podcast titled Yo, Is This Racist? It's Correct. Andrew T. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks How for joining doing? us. Oh, God, I'm good. Good? Super good? <laughs> I mean, Super good? things are going so well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I feel like we've got reached the point where, though it is the reflexive, polite response... Anyone who responds good immediately to how you're doing, you have to sort of question what's wrong with yeah, I'm good. Consider good? Really? Why? How did you get to be good? Yeah. You know, all things equal. Yeah. We need to change the default response to how you're doing to, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. How are you? Are you better or worse than the new normal? <laughs> yeah. I guess technically better. So I'm good. Cool. Undeniably it's- good. We've, we've recalibrated uh, goodness and I'm good. We're in post-truth and uh, post-goodness. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys worried that the the fundamental it's, tenets of your podcast are on the... Because yeah, the fundamental podcast of, uh, tenets of my podcast have been out the window for about 18 months or <laughs> 70 years now, depending yeah, on how you, you want to... like, yo, is this more racist? <laughs> yeah. How much racist? I don't know. Yeah. Or just, yo... Yo! No. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Yo! Whose basement am I hiding in this week? That's my new podcast. Still on the Earwolf Network. <laughs> Tune in. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I. Uh, the, it, you can go back through the record and listen to how um, glib I was, or whatever the right word is, last year um, about how, like, all right, stop. He's not yeah. going to win. Stop being so proud of yourself you can, for you being. You can listen to me on Andrew's podcast yeah. three weeks before the election. Confidently proclaiming a Hillary victory. Oh, yeah. You know, you know what? With some reservations based on Brexit. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, I was so cocky and such a bad podcast producer that we taped the post, the episode that would come out the day after the election, Ooh. the Friday before, <laughs> and just ran with what statistics will tell you. I will say this: we all got a pretty good lesson on what. One in five means. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, if you roll, that's if you roll the dice and guess what it's it, right. Yes. Yeah. We it happens. Really, one in five means it will happen. Yeah. Twenty percent of the time, or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. And comes, for a one-off event, that yeah. means the <laughs> a, yeah. And this is, this is the karmic it, price we pay for letting the Cubs win. Like, yeah. This is clearly. Like, both. Yeah. Well, I was I I, I had a, a a physician one time tell me um, that that like. Uh, you know, so the odds of X thing happening were like, you know, 4%. But when it happens to you, it's 100%. Yeah. It, happened. it happened. So it's it's really funny that like, you know, on especially like, uh, uh, I'm excited to be on this podcast. I'm a fan. And I never get to talk about shit like this uh, with with like sciencey people. Yeah. So well, it is, is like funny we... to think about like statistics in that way because I never have to deal with that ever. Well, this is something we should start with because uh, I already know the answer to this question, <laughs> which is the question we ask all, I guess, which is yeah. what's your background in science? And you're one of the rare guests of the show who actually... <laughs> yeah. I, I have a... Uh, 
uh, bachelor's in neuroscience and behavior from uh, Columbia. So, but here's the thing with that is uh, that was like a fake major kind of when I <laughs> when I went there because that was like the beginning of sort of like understanding um neuroscience you know just like it was the beginning of like halfway decent not that the beginning beginning but the beginning of the undergraduate level of like you know imaging in the brain and like just like starting to teach us to people at undergrad level i i realized the other day because i did not maintain my uh any part of my neuroscientific mind or or training Uh i would wager upwards of 70 percent of the facts i was taught or the you know best understandings of the state of the art of how the brain works is completely incorrect by now (laughs) it was about 2002 when i got my degree that's probably the case that's fair i know we have people listening to the show who are still active in these fields and might well have been doing their undergrads the same time as you so any listeners just out of interest um yeah what (laughs) <laughs> how much what has your best guess? Things changed, yeah. Because I, I, I feel like it was just basic, like you know, perception, memory, emotion. All those things were just like kind of, kind of being mapped out at again, mapped out at a level you could talk to a fucking nineteen-year-old about. Yeah. Well, around um, that time, they were still teaching that you only use ten percent of your brain, and the rest can be used for telepathy, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I did major in telepathy. <laughs> I actually, I will tell you that um, my this is so bad of me that i didn't look i could have googled this professor probably easily but my favorite professor from the time um uh in college uh was sort of like in the it was like a a movie it was like it was literally like the setup of ghostbusters like in the basement clearly (laughs) shunted away of a of the of the 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 psychology building and he had built he was a he was a perception guy he'd gotten famous in the 70s for conducting an experiment where he injected um uh, some frog neurotoxin into the uh optic nerve of a uh, of a subject and then um, when your eye can't move but the uh, saccadic movements which are the small involuntary movements that your eyeball makes uh, you know your body still thinks it's making them mm-hmm. you will perceive the dot in the center of a, a dot projected on the wall as jumping around uh, you know inverse to the way that your eye your brain thinks your eye is moving so so wait because your eye was not moving at all because of the toxin or it's correct. still doing a little bit of okay. your eye is not moving but one's eye be, even yeah. when you think you're staring at something your eye is making you know hundreds of tiny imperceptible shifts yeah um that allow for instance one eye to have a little bit of depth perception and for for people to for you to track movement and stuff anyway so you know we read this paper about this long ass thing about you know injecting uh, uh, frog poison into you know frog paralyzing paralytic agent into optic nerve, and then uh, it slowly dawned on me as I was reading the paper that all of the subject initials matched up exactly with the authors of the paper. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, were you guys just all sitting around injecting each other, like injecting yourselves in the eyeball <laughs> with fucking frog poison? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we weren't sure how it was going to go, but we couldn't really, like it was, he, cause, and it turned out 
Besides having us read the paper and proving that he was a weird badass, the object of the uh, lesson was that ethics rules have changed. He's like, you can't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. That's... Well, that, that, have been, there have been some famous r- relatively recent cases of... Like the, I can't remember the name of the scientist who discovered the stomach ulcers are the result of a uh, bacteria. Bacteria, yeah. And it was just on himself. Yeah, well, that, that's what he did. He he posited that it was the result of this bacteria, and this is the bacteria that causes it. And before that, it was generally believed that ulcers are just caused by stress and mm-hmm. bad eating acid, habits. Yeah. yeah, and um, I didn't actually know that until you said that. I didn't know ulcers were caused by bacteria. Yeah, I I don't know where that's the exclusive the. Uh, cause of them, but yeah. that's certainly a cause. Yeah, and he couldn't like the way he had to prove it to the community was he basically consumed some of that bacteria, ulcer, uh, and then treated himself with antibiotics. And oh my god, um, it's just like right. I guess the idea is that like I don't feel like going like getting a bunch of patients. I'm already here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm guess you don't, confident in my. You beliefs. can't get arrested for doing something to yourself, can? Or, yeah, I, I yeah. imagine it's still considered unethical. Unethical, yeah, yeah, definitely unethical, and also a tiny sample size. Yeah, yeah. But if it if it is, it is a tiny sample size. But when it is something that's sort of a direct cause and effect like that, yeah. that can can be shown like. Hey, this this yeah. make, this immediately made this happen, and yeah. this immediately made this clear up. I think that's enough to, at the very least, cause people to then do Shift. the real yeah. research. Well, yeah, and I, you know, the, I guess the counterpoint to the tiny sample size criteria, uh, as a completely never have worked scientist, is the only way you get a big sample size is with a small sample size first. Right, yeah. And then that's how you get your grant. Anyway, yeah. this guy was shunted off to a basement in uh, Colombia, and the other thing that he'd done was he'd built, because he was a perception guy, he'd change his lab into a, a what he called it, a tilt room. Uh-huh. Um, so he had horizontal lines on every uh, wall, and the whole thing somehow, or the walls, there was basically a room within a room, and the room that was within the room was on a seesaw. Uh, so it was just like a little mad scientist with his goddamn just illusions and frog poison. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He sounds it, like the greatest professor. He truly was, and it's actually fucked up that I haven't brought his name to, uh, to this. But what would he was we my search favorite. for? Because I've got a computer in front of me right now. What would be a Googleable thing? I mean, I guess... Columbia University frog toxin eyes <sighs> yeah uh, tilt room perception shift room we'll look for that while we yeah, yeah that, sorry no that reminds me though I also have classes that have become outdated I might have mentioned this already but <clears throat> I just took a couple of psychology classes it wasn't my major but um, even those two particular anecdotes that were things they talked about a lot like Kitty Genovese yeah as the proof of the bystander effect yeah you yeah, know, it's yeah. been debunked. There's a movie called The Witness. It's on Netflix now, talking to Kitty's brother who wanted to get to the bottom of it. Is this the case of the, like someone being murdered in New York and loads of people hearing the screams and not coming to her aid? The story Correct. was that 38 people or something heard and could have helped and did nothing. And then uh, the headlines were like, you know, heartless New Yorkers. Like it just played in with the public's perception of what urban life does to us. Yeah. We all become callous. 
And then some more digging, you find out there were only like two people who heard and were in a position to act. And one of them was like the town drunk who could barely walk. Right. And one did try to help and called the police and was on hold for like five minutes before finally getting through. Oh, and someone man. else was came out and helped her and was holding her as she was bleeding to death. Like people did help. The right, story right. was just misreported for a number of reasons. And then there was just this like self, like this this news yeah, well, it's information it, it, cascade. Yeah. Where I mean, there's without digging into too many value judgments, <laughs> but there, there, the like the story of America is the story of the noble rural country folk and the decadent sinful city dwellers. Yeah, yeah. it's why we have an electoral college, <laughs> um, and it there was is do, why do, we're where we are now. Do you listen to the Cracked podcast? I. I have uh, uh, not a lot. I've been on it before. Yeah, the one. But yeah, the one after the ele- or before the election that Matt recommended that I listen to and also recommend. Um, I think it was just called Trump's America. And one of the hosts who grew up in rural Illinois talks about that divide and that, and that cultural mythology. How like all the all the stories like Star Wars and Rocky Four. It's all the hero is the is the rural one, and like Rocky goes back to his roots, and Rocky Ford is training like dragging a log through the snow while. The right. Russian is using science and technology. Right. Like how this stuff is all which is but it's also, confined just to our just to our like entertainment because then we don't actually think those people are bad. Yeah. We, we do then but then I realize we value urban um uh va- we're just we're just sort of hypocrites with all this stuff and we have this weird love hate thing with rural America and, Yeah. Um, well, I I mean, I think there's it's just always the nobility of the farmer of the i mean i will just say that is the tale that's been told by governments for centuries to pacify the people yeah we don't need to (laughs) tune into my podcast to hear more shit like this we don't need to we don't need to go into that but well well, along these lines because without going too down the politics rabbit hole but um if we are going to do politics mixed with science right now uh new administration orders epa media blackout uh, and contract freeze. Um, yeah. So Trump uh, Trump admin orders an EPA media blackout. Um, they've instituted what they described as a temporary media blackout at the Environmental Protection Agency and barred staff from awarding any new contracts or grants. Um, I know, terrifying. And they, they've also... And I believe, uh, functionally, I was reading that that really more or less grinds the EPA to a halt. Well, there was there was another law that they're trying to pass in Congress that really will grind it to a oh. halt that um, prevents any new rules from being brought in without an act of parliament, without an act of uh, Congress. Let's just call it. I'd rather have a parliament now, yeah. so I'm happy to continue so, with that. So basically that will grind it to a halt because that means rather than being an agency that can make rules specific to its task to, everything to, yeah. now has to be has to go through partisan politics right which it won't because it's a congress that's yeah run by the right yeah i still can't believe mm, yeah. how specifically environmental issues got so politicized like it seems like the last thing that would be political if yeah you take a step back from it as an issue you'd think well that's the one thing everyone can get behind is obviously we should you know, not pollute if we can avoid it. We yeah. should take care of our world that we're inhabiting. Well, it all comes down to um, exactly the same with like the smoking ban uh, and things like that. It's massive corporations that are incredibly good at framing what should be an utterly nonpartisan, let's yeah. not kill yeah. people unnecessarily issue into a meddling scientists <laughs> and do-gooders who want to restrict your wealth versus these frog toxin loving like, motherfuckers. Yeah. They want- no. We've talked about the, uh, before on the show the um, the uh, 
movie and I think there's a book as well called Merchants of Doubt that oh, yeah, is yeah. that really breaks down how the anti-climate change people are not just running the same playbook but in some cases are the same people who were the anti-smoking people the, two decades the pro-smoking people the, sorry the pro yeah. anti-smoking ban people yeah. two decades earlier um, yeah it's exactly the same techniques exactly the same playbook I just want to meet some of these people. Like seeing Sean Spicer do those press conferences, I'm like, I want to have a one-on-one with you, dude. Like, what is your, what I, is your inherent like? What is your personality that you were just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go up and fucking lie about a dis about an easily disproved thing like the size of a crap. Like, yeah, this world I we're in. Now. <laughs> I think that the purpose of it is to constantly sh- sow distrust yeah. in the idea yeah, of facts. Of it's to muddy yeah. the idea of... And yeah. yeah, it's to just generally muddy this... And that's what Merchants of Doubt was all about. It was about how it's not their job to prove that climate change is not happening. It's not their job to prove that smoking is safe. It's their job to just muddy the, the question, issue. Yeah, yeah to, to just grind... Just to put the brakes on the process... And just generally give the idea that there's um, a debate about this rather than yeah. a fixed, yeah. obvious truth. I uh, well, I think the thing is, it's like 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 the way meteorology is a not an exact science. It's that because it's a system with so many goddamn variables, it's very easy for the average voter to be like, I don't know, it yeah. got cold yesterday. Yeah, you know, so so there's so many like potential counterfactual, like even smoking. It's like you always know someone who's 95. Who yeah, smoked, so you can use that as your anecdote to disprove yeah. the rest of. And it's it's and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever traveled to some of the more miserable parts of the earth before. And I'm talking about not. I I haven't even been to terrible terrible environmental disasters, but even like I I went to I've been to Asia a couple times and like. People will put up with a lot of climate degradation. Yeah. Like, it feels like you can't do anything. Um, and it's such, such a gradual change that, I don't know, you enjoy a nice day when you have it. But when the choking smog is there, like, it's like, eh, it's life. Yeah, I, w- I was in Shanghai like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. And you just can't see. It's, yeah. Uh... And it just happens. And Shanghai is fucking rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? People just like, they're like, eh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, yeah. and it's like... Oh, lung cancer rates are up 8%. Huge, you know, human health tragedy. Yeah. Impossible to quantify in your actual brain. But yeah, and then you go like, hang on, 8% of over a billion people. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, you say 8% and then it's like, yeah, or 800 million people, or 800,000 people or whatever, 8 million people. Or, but it's like, you just can't like process it. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. And so you're like, ah, who knows? Uh yeah so, Do you, we are, are you gonna fucked. lead lead into this uh, the other related story Matt or, or <laughs> uh, I could be doing that which, which unless other? you wanted to say more about the EPA um, just about false facts muddying the water and um, yeah this is a great story this this was sent in uh, the only thing that's tricky about this story yeah. is so um uh this was originally sent in let me give the correct credit justin uh, broad as well as um, and angus i can't see the last name there um i'll find it while you look it up oh, no that uh, was a different well, actually there's different versions of the story but none of them actually seem to annoyingly tell us exactly what the wording is of both the question and 
the solution. You'll see what I'm talking about right. in a second. But do you want to take it away? Sure. Yeah. The headline is scientists. Angus develop- Reynolds. There we go. Sorry. Angus Reynolds. Thank you, Angus. Uh, scientists develop fake news vaccine to combat climate change myths. Um, so this is an interesting study. And again, we can't find the exact details of how there's a very extensive uh, uh, description of the whole thing, except for the actual examples of the sort of fake news that they used in it. Um, so yeah, the spread of fake news online has led scientists to develop this, quote, vaccine to inoculate the public against climate change myths. The study's lead author, Sander van der Linden, said the aim was to provide a cognitive repertoire that would help build resistance to misinformation and make people less susceptible to fake news. So uh, misinformation can be sticky, spreading and replicating like a virus, he said. He's also a social psychologist, by the way. Um, We wanted to see if we could find a vaccine by preemptively exposing people to a small amount of the type of misinformation they might experience, uh, a warning that helps preserve the facts. And we'll link to the full study if you want to take a little bit more. But um, it compared the reactions of more than 2,000 U.S. residents um, to two different claims on global warming. One of those claims was a well-known climate change fact. The other was taken from a widespread misinformation campaign. And the researchers found that when presented consecutively, the false material completely canceled out the accurate statement in people's minds. Um, but when they presented them with an inoculation where people were introduced to distortion tactics used by certain groups, as well as a small dose of misinformation and the fact then so, opinions stayed closer to the truth. Yeah, so the idea is, hmm. like, they call it a vaccine because just like vaccines it it's exposes the person before they get exposed to the big misinformation mm-hmm. they expose them to a small amount of misinformation right. and then an explanation of why it's untrue and right. that an attenuated version of the dead yeah. version of the virus and that supposedly yeah. primes them so they can to see be, the pattern of how that misinformation is yes yeah. so the same way that a small amount of um denatured yeah. flu virus will then prime you to be able to deal better with a full flu, flu virus yeah this will this small amount of misinformation together with an explanation will strengthen your defenses against larger mis- misinformations and that that was found to be effective it yeah. was and although it also f- says that it gave people autism yeah. so so uh, i like that um yeah and actually there were different findings metacognitive along- autism <laughs> the findings were different along along political party lines too which is like maybe the part that we should least focus on because it's the one that later on if it turns out to be false it'd be like ah you just wanted that to be true yeah because it was uh, i know it, it feels like this is so ripe for confirmation bias yeah, it's like yeah. oh, yikes um because the republican yet it feels right right yeah okay hang on i found the uh i found the, the actual study and the the data dump that's if you're actually looking at the actual study at the bottom of it is the link to the pdf of all the data and the stories um, oh, okay. So, examples of the experimental treatment conditions are provided below. So, the consensus message only, which they show them, was the petition... Uh, Pre-bunking, they called it. Huh? Yeah. The consensus message that said, we. it was a petition that says, we, the United States government, reject the global warming agreement that was written in Kyoto, Japan, and other similar proposals. The proposed limits on greenhouse gases would harm the environment hinder the advance of science and technology and damage the health and welfare of mankind there is no convincing scientific evidence that human release of carbon dioxide methane or other greenhouse gases is causing or will in the foreseeable future cause catastrophic heating of the earth's atmosphere and disruption of the earth's climate moreover there is substantial scientific evidence that increases in atmospheric carbon dioxide produce many beneficial effects upon the natural plant and 
animal environments of the Earth. And it said above this, 31,487 American scientists have signed this petition, including 9,000 with PhDs. So it's already filtering. And at the bottom, you can see what the petition is, and you can see it's signed, and it just has a checkbox next to it that says, my academic degree is um, BS, MS, or PhD in the field of, and someone's written, physics. So you can see this statement, and then you can see how not particularly... The of it. Yeah, the fakeness of it. So, Speaking of, uh, I was going to say, I'm prepared to sell out my bullshit degree as an Ivy League scientist. Yeah. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> if any right-wing organizations want to come, come in. Come, come call in. I'm, I'm going to cash that check. So, uh, so this is the inoculation article you're saying. Yeah, and, and then it was the inoculation as fake, and they to- like when they showed it to them, they said this is. Yeah, you know, and afterwards they yeah. would follow it up in some of the. They had different like who saw what, who saw just that, who saw that, and the thing after it, the yeah. counter message, who saw just the counter message. Um, the counter message was um, nearly all climate scientists, ninety-seven percent, have concluded that human-caused climate change is happening. Some politically motivated groups use misleading tactics to try to convince the public that there is a lot of disagreement among scientists. However, scientific research has found that among climate scientists, there is virtually no disagreement that humans are causing climate change. Um, and then there's a detailed thing underneath that breaks down what that petition, where that petition mm-hmm. has come from. Um, like one such politically motivated group claims to have collected signatures from over 31,000, quote, scientists, uh, including over 9,000 who hold PhDs on a petition, blah. This may sound convincing at first. However, several independent investigations have concluded that the petition product is extremely misleading. For example, many of the signatures on the petition are fake. Um, for example, past signatures have includes, included Charles Darwin, members of the Spice Girls, and fictional characters from Star Wars. And also, although 31,000 might seem like a large number, it actually represents less than 0.3% of all science graduates. Further, nearly all of the legitimate science, signers have no expertise in climate science at all. In fact, less than 1% of those claim to have any background in climate or atmospheric science. So this is all information people would be getting before they then get to Or after. Yeah, so they sort of see the first misleading statement, (gasps) then they see see this, and then they expose them to other more egregious examples of anti-climate science. Oh, okay. Because I would have thought that to make it... I mean, what do I know? But um, that the first inoculation wouldn't have even been climate related, but just a different kind of a tactic. Yeah, yeah, because like a smoking thing, or yeah, like yeah, because aren't you kind of already priming them to believe in climate change by disproving the first? Th- th- I it's could directly be, correlated to the second yeah. thing. I could be misreading it. Consensus message, counter message. Um, I don't know. Sounds we definitely be- could have done more research, but it's a long study, and uh, it is a full. Uh, yeah, and we've already no established. How- no, it, it sounds. It sounds like you you've come up with the, certainly the the second the follow up research for this, which is like, I mean, as I uh, as I've said on my podcast before, one of the things that got me into talking and arguing with racists online <laughs> is because as a young proto-scientist i spent a lot of time arguing with creationists online okay and they have exactly the same rhetorical techniques yeah um which is to say sort of uh argue you know argument from authority a sort of thing that is known in the uh uh, um uh science denier uh or evolution denier community uh, as the Gish Gallop, after Dwayne Gish, noted uh, young Earth creationist, okay. who will just throw out so many falsehoods in a row 
like in a in a rolling gallop that to debunk them you know because it's one of those things where like for each lie you have to debunk you know it takes one set one second to lie and 10 seconds to debunk it yeah so if he says 10 untrue things you have to spend the next 10 minutes which you don't have Uh um and and that's a very common tactic for uh just tire people racist yeah yeah well or or like rhetorically it's a good tactic because even if each of your points are debunked, you kind of get to say, eh, sounds like you, you, you seem like you're really flustered now. Yeah. Like yeah. you seem like you're really, sh- you know, you, is that, you, yeah. It's that thing that politicians were saying in the run up to the um, election as part of common politician or political expression is if you're explaining, you're losing. Yeah. 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 Jeez. And there's no way to do yeah. anything but explain yeah. when it's like, why are there gaps in the fossil record? And how do you explain this? And how could an eye evolve on its own? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, and also, yeah. if you show it throughout so many previously researched facts and there they're just on their feet, you're like, if you give me five minutes on Google, I can debunk every single right. one of yeah. these. Yeah. However, yeah. right now, I'm going to probably get seven out of ten yeah. of them. And it makes you look dumb. Like, yeah. that's the You're thing. Right. It's a debating yeah. tactic. This guy has all the facts at his disposal. This guy seems to know nothing. Yeah. And it yeah. helps when you can make the facts up. That's, so I didn't know that about the, how the debate world has just become speed talking. Yeah. There was that episode of like Radio Lab talking about this championship team. And the most interesting thing was that now it's about, because you have a fixed amount of time, and the more yeah. points you can get in in that time, they have a responsibility to address every one of those points. So it just becomes like, it's like auctioneer talk. You can't yeah. hear what they're saying. They're talking so fast. Oh, okay, God. here we go. Sorry. While you were sort of discussing that, I was also looking through the, pro- the paper okay, to try cool. and get... So the two things I read out, one was the inoculation, the other was was the more detailed counter-message. So just the little chart that was the 97% thing, that's oh. the first inoculation, followed by the, the further detailed thing is the full explanation of what was going on with the explaining how the petition was fake, was... was yeah. So if you took out, I'm sorry, the 97% thing was was what? It was a simple statement that was wrong saying that 97%? 97% of climate scientists are in consensus that um, that climate change is real and a problem. And then the further thing that they were then exposed to was that whole detailed breakdown of this petition is uh, a common tactic. 0.3% of science graduates of whom most are not climate scientists and his like the full yeah. paragraph that I read out. That's the oh. thing that that's the thing that they were more able to pass and more able to accept if they'd previously seen that first mini the pie chart that just had the ninety seven percent. And that pie chart right. did not come saying this is not true. It correct was just okay weird. So it is sort of counterintuitive. Well, it's it's that well because the argument of saying thirty thousand scientists believe X is essentially an argument from authority. It's like, yeah. okay, this is the great mass of people. So the inoculation to that, the, the thing that attenuates that statement to make it harmless, is in actuality, 30,000 is a very small number. Mm-hmm. Or 37,000 only represents 3%, essentially. So once you have that thing that has killed that first thought, then you can understand... Yeah. Second. So the first thing was just that half, that small paragraph that said, nearly all climate scientists have concluded that human caused climate change is happening. Some politically motivated groups use misleading tactics to try and convince the public there is a lot of disagreement. However, scientific research has found that among climate scientists, there is virtually no disagreement that humans are causing climate change. Um, And uh, and then the longer thing is that whole thing that I read out about one such politically motivated group claims to have collected signatures from over Mm. blah. And who yeah, these people are is the is the like th- 
fifth arrow in the quiver. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I can't think of how this can be applied in, in, in a large scale to inoculate people from fake news in general. Also when the definition of when, now that fake news is in the media, yeah. now it's being thrown around as like this. Yeah. <laughs> like when Trump just says it at CNN, it's like, no, no, no. Fake news refers to like completely fabricated stories. It's like, great. You're, you're yeah. just accusing them of having like some spin or something. Like you're using this word that you didn't even know existed until two months ago. And then, Trying I mean, to like co-opt it as your own. Yeah, science. I guess the the pitch for this, how this inoculation work would work, might be this gives people a tiny amount of insight into how a statistic can be uh, used to mislead. Yeah, and hopefully that tool, seeing someone use that tool once will allow you to use that tool in the future on any false claim yeah. or misleading claim. That's the... I That's I was thinking, yeah, you should spend some... I think I already said this also, but like spend some of that public service money that you use for like the more you know things and just teach people how to use Snopes, you know? Like, yeah. like do some public funding towards just but making us ever, all critical readers of Do you things. ever wonder about Snopes? Like, I feel like Snopes has this thing wherein... It's good that they exist, uh-huh. but like like the same way like WikiLeaks just turned, or maybe it didn't just turn. It you is put like too much faith in it. Yeah, it's dangerous that you're like because because WikiLeaks now is just doing a like a whip pan like back and forth. Oh, yeah, they're, now they're, they're like, well, we want Trump's tax returns. They're the wild card. They're like, yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's like so when you when you let those people be the arbiters of transparency, which everyone was happy to do. It just whoa wait it, yeah, it, it's now, crazy now I feel so burned on that um, that like do I trust Snow? Yeah. There is a free course. I mean, I do, tweeted. but yeah, <laughs> but you're yeah. right. What if they turn on you? Yeah, you <laughs> there, there are a couple of others, but yeah, Snopes is now the biggie. Yeah, there are. Um, there is a free course. Someone was tweeting this out the other day. I can't remember who. Oxford University, um, a lecturer called Marianne Talbot is. Uh, they've released a free course called uh, Critical Reasoning for Beginners. Oh God! Which is on iTunes. So a series of, uh, yeah, series of lectures from an Oxford philosopher. Yeah. But again, like who that needs that is going to think they need it and seek it out, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> the that's the the definition of sort of the what's that overconfidence effect? Or yeah, the uh, Dunning Kruger. effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's no way to make these people. If anything, you need the people who. You need to have like a, some version of that podcast that claims to be a thing that will help you question all parts of your world. But if you actually download it, it's like, nah, you're good. The fact that you download this means that you should go with your gut instincts at all times. <laughs> <laughs> because your dithering has also cost the world. <laughs> like, be confident. Be confident. If you're the person who doesn't need to be told... No, if you're the person that needs to be told you're confident, you should be more confident. And if the person that thinks they're smart, you're wrong. What if this course is retitled How to Win Arguments Against Pussies? Yeah. <laughs> Cucks. <laughs> the Cuck Blaster. Has Cuck become From- the new... Uh, in your esteem, like, is it becoming a, as loaded a word as, like, racial epithets now, or...? Oh... I I mean it ought is, to is be. Is it being used instead of because it has that hard cut? It has a yeah. It's gross. Yeah, like, it feels gross uh, to when, say. When will good honest cucks reclaim it? <laughs> I know. So just get your have your girlfriend get railed out by some other dude. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. 
They're much... And now they're oh. stuck going like, this is now a slur. I know. This was my way of getting my rocks off, and now you've just made it filthy. Do you think they have... <laughs> do you think they have created the, the actual cuckold fetish community has come up with something else now? They must have. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I mean, they I must hate know. how this has been come I don't know, but it would... Yeah. I, I, it would... That's something to... Write a call in listeners who are scientists and cucks um, and let us know. And probably that, science. And we use that in the sex positive. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. On a sense. There's got to be. Um, yeah, I, I'd be pissed off if that was my kink and suddenly, like, it's, it's got it's taken It's fascinating by. how much that it took really, off. Like, that's, that could be OED's word of the year 2017. Oh, my God. Like, I hope so. What a strange. To, to go from like a niche porn genre to yeah. like mainstream insult. It is really what a what a year. What leaps and bounds. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think the thing is everyone should realize Cox proves reach for your dreams. You can be <laughs> there's nothing you've done in your past that can't make you national news. <laughs> um gee, I ugh, I will say this that because of what it is and whenever I get trolls coming after me now i i employ most of the time i'm not always good at staying disciplined but when when trolls kind of come at me racist trolls i kind of like uh like employ a so dumb it hurts i guess semi-socratic technique when Uh when replying to them and then when they start to get flustered i just say you sound like a cuck um and it works when it works it's truly beautiful it doesn't always work but It's sort of just like you just play along with them, keep saying the dumbest possible response, and then they start calling you like an idiot or like you're so dumb or a, a retard or whatever. And then you're like, oh, you really kind of sound like a cock right now, Holmes. <laughs> um, and that makes them freak out. <laughs> wow. Um, should we move? If we, <laughs> that that was cock talk. <laughs> well, we can move There's, on. To, do we want to move on to shit talk? Because oh, you know, we, we can't not. We yeah. had a lot of comments time. from time. There were also some... We don't often get people commenting on the actual article page itself on our website. We had some really cool comments, uh, so I'm just going to go through them quickly. Uh, listen to Florian, who I think is a, a regular friend, Florian, unless we have two Florians who listen to the show. It would be Gross or Grochet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, this, this might be something that I was completely misleading you on. Florian said, Hi, during this episode, you mentioned that Newton's favorite color was pink. Um, was this just a joke? I could find no evidence for this statement, but would be very interested in any sources. Thanks. Uh, my source for that was my physics teacher, Mr. Blight. He may have been full of shit, and it might have been a fact that I've just carried for 20 years and been misleading you all. So um, maybe not true. Maybe not true. It's, there's definitely theories that um, he suffered from mercury poisoning. It might just have been from his alchemy. I couldn't find any links either to back it up when I was Googling when this message came through. So maybe not true. Um that's the, that's a great piece of fake news to start spreading, though. Just start telling people the favorite colors of people from antiquity yeah. or history. Just like, it's such a crazy, unverifiable, <laughs> yeah, amazing yeah. thing. Cleopatra uh, <laughs> loved plaids. It's a fact. <laughs> it's very true. How are you going to check? Um, we had a couple of comments before we got onto the shit talk about um, asexual reproduction. Um, and um, Stephen Doyle said, uh, firstly, I learned so much about shit science. Well, you're about to learn more, Stephen. Mm-hmm. But um, note, the Catholic mythology of Immaculate Conception does not refer to Jesus' conception, but to Mary's, the idea being that she, alone of all people, was conceived without the stain of original sin. I didn't know that. I what? think I might have known that years ago and completely forgotten that fact. That Yeah, that there we go. Wait, the theology of that was that, right, this is the only vessel that can... 
yeah. birth a, a, So it's not that, she, that Sorry, there's the only dirty woman that can birth a messiah Yeah, the, 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 she isn't filthy She is not a dirty right. woman um, Nice, way to go, Mayor uh, I, I can't believe I never knew that And it holds up to Googling Not that I doubted our listeners, but yeah And, um, and then uh, Tiana Stuckey also comments to say Hey guys, you posed the question Could humans asexually reproduce? reproduce i am a histologist and at school we were taught that dermoid cysts were women's way of trying to reproduce a dermoid cyst is usually located on the ovary and most times it contains nails hair and teeth i'm not sure any journals that write about this uh i'm not sure of any journals that write about this or any successes but they're extremely common so guys better watch out I have heard of the teeth and nails and hair in, in, in yeah. cysts yeah. or tumors or something, but I didn't know that was uh, ladies trying to do it for themselves. Yeah, so should we go <laughs> on to the... Uh, onto the we got into both the, Peter E. and there was someone else who was also a shit scientist. Yeah, if anybody is shit sensitive uh, or, or poop sensitive or sensitive to the words or the concept, uh, might want to fast forward like 10 minutes. There's going to yeah. be some shit talk. We're going to talk some ahead. shit here. Peter E. and James Maddock, two different shit scientists two different varieties of shit scientists have written in to say hey just putting your hat just owning up to that one so that's pretty awesome <laughs> and then okay how, how long should we tell people to fast forward if you're of a in any way is this about the transplant yeah i, I, th- I thought it was interesting i mean we should i think it's super interesting i think zero it, i think but... everyone should have to uh, like listen to this I no matter this... how sensitive you are yeah. so we had a um a listener called i'm Jennifer... gonna start a stopwatch though okay now a listener clock. called jennifer wrote in uh what's up jen to, shall we i'm just gonna read the whole story the whole essay um letter email whatever you want to call it um i've been meaning to send this email to you for some time because i know you guys talk a lot about the fecal microbiota transfusions um so since i have had a fecal transfusion i thought i would share my experience this is the first time we've heard for firsthand uh right yeah Background. I'm an American who married an Aussie, and about seven years ago, we moved to Australia. Since college, unfortunately, about 20 years ago, I have had horrible bloating, gas, farting, and burping, and diarrhea. It was to the point that I ate very little during the day at work or around people and carried Imodium with me everywhere I went. Sometimes it would take up to six Imodium to get my system to calm down. I was miserable. Doctors in the U.S. would give me meds to help the symptoms, but either they didn't work or had serious side effects to the livers and kidneys. Um... When I got to Australia, my symptoms were getting worse, and I was exhausted from it all. So I started talking to my new doctor in Sydney, and she referred me to a nutritionist. The nutritionist helped me figure out what foods were upsetting me, basically salicylates and other naturally occurring food chemicals. But she was concerned with how sensitive I was, and she referred me to a gastroenterologist. She sent me to the Center for Digestive Diseases, cdd.com.au, and Dr. Thomas Barodi, um, who's... Uh, she says, you can look up. He's famous for being one of the pioneers in all this. He has a letter on his wall from Senator Kennedy thanking for research presented to the U.S. Congress, etc. Anyhow, Dr. Brody is the first person who doesn't just try to give me a pill. He spent hours talking to me about my problems when they started my medical health and doing tests to work out why this was happening to me. He believes my digestive issues were occurring because in college I had a very severe case of strep throat that lasted over nine months. During that time, I took increasingly stronger and stronger antibiotics constantly. He believes that this antibiotics prolonged course killed all the good bacteria in my intestines. He was concerned that I had very little of it left. Dr. Brody decided I was a candidate for human probiotic infusion therapy. He told me that I could use my husband's poop as the donor poop, but that was a bit too much sharing for us. <laughs> I don't, see, I don't know about that. That's interesting that you draw the line there. I, don't I, know that I, I get would... that. Okay, I, get, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, everyone has their lines. Right. Everyone has yeah, their yeah. decisions they have to make. 
So I decided to use an anonymous donor through the center. Oh. The donors all have excellent digestive systems. They're medically tested to ensure no disease, etc. I also had to complete about 15 different blood tests ranging from iron deficiency to HIV prior to being approved. The way it worked for me was that I went in for a colonoscopy on a Monday morning. During the colonoscopy, they took pictures and biopsies and swabs to confirm nothing else is wrong with me, i.e. tumors, holes, and tears. She's also attached a few pictures yeah, as well. Yeah, I thought that was um, interesting. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the, uh, I think I've got pictures of my colonoscopy somewhere, which we've discussed on the show before. It's really, I mean, if you ask me all what ass body pics part, all the time, let's see. I it. would have just been like, I don't know, that could be inside of a I guess ear. Think, or, yeah, it looks like an ear canal or like a, a esophagus. I didn't think it was that. Uh, it's very. She's got a very clean colon. Um, it's very, well, yeah. you have very to white. to get a colonoscopy. You have to yeah clean, yeah. clean that ass up. Um, but I sort of thought it was redder or something. I don't know. Um, me too. <laughs> I guess. I guess you look. You can just like with statistics, you can lie with photography. Anything yeah. can be redder <laughs> yeah, yeah. or less. Yeah. Right. What, what Instagram filter did she use right. like before yeah. she sent it in? Um, at the end of the colonoscopy and visual check, they inserted as far into my colon as they can a mixture of poop and saline. Uh, when I woke up post colonoscopy, they told me to try really hard not to poop for about six hours to let it all mingle in there. Then I got my schedule for the rest of the week. For Tuesday through Friday, I have to come in every morning for treatments. Every day in the treatment room, I take off the bottom half of my clothes, climb onto this bed where my head is down low, butt is up in the air. So much detail, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I like the color that's being up here. You're setting the scene. Uh, Probably around a 30-degree angle I'm laying at. Then each day, from the same donor used on Monday, I get an enema of about 300 milliliters of their poop mixed with saline. I lie on my side. The nurse sticks a tube in my butt and starts squeezing the plastic bag to force the poop through the tube and into my butt slash colon. The goal is to get at least 200 milliliters in me, and she pep talks me to get in as much past that point as I can hold. And by the way, just for reference, like a can of Coke, I think is 330 milliliters, right? Yeah. 310 or something like that. So the base is to try and get like two, like a glass, a a glass of Coke's worth probably. I try really hard not to look at the puffy bag and tube she is using, but I can smell it. I work really hard to relax Mm. and let it pour in me as quickly as possible so it'll be over. By the way, um, little aside here. Uh, Jennifer, I'm appreciating the switch to the present tense as well for dramatic effect. <laughs> that is a nice stylistic uh, move. One morning, I got complimented for reaching 300 milliliters. That's nice almost a full, yeah, full drink scan. Like, yeah. Yeah. Once the nurse is done with the enema, I lie there for about 30 minutes and rub my belly, colon, brackets, colon, and intestines in the special way the nurse showed me that is supposed to help push it all in. After 30 minutes, I'm allowed to leave, so I stand up and dress. I can feel it all moving around, and I just clench to hold it in and hope she's doing, hope it's doing something, and this is all worth it. The nurse tells me to try and not poop for about six hours each day to try and make sure... How could you... To make sure the bacteria can be absorbed. Isn't it like an instant urge to go when you have something put up yeah. there? Well, I guess it's been pushed up far, far enough, enough, so it's not like in the lower yeah. colon. It's... <laughs> That's a hell of a push, though. It is. Yeah, I guess there's some magical belly rubbing that uh, does the trick. If if I may jump in a little bit, I, I think sure. we still have a little bit of this there's to read. We do. But I, I felt like I'd heard a first person story of this procedure that involved just pills. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think right the suppository. Yeah, yeah. I I have definitely heard that too. Okay, because <laughs> um, this is vivid. <laughs> I don't know which one which one's preferable. I'm not sure. Um, by Friday afternoon, I'm so used to clenching and not pooping that I can't have a bowel movement. Uh, by the end of the week, I was, I was so constipated from not being able to poop that it hurt. It took two days after the sessions were done for me to learn to relax enough to start pooping again. Mm-hmm. The following week was weird. 
because all of a sudden my poop doesn't look or smell like mine. It's a different color, more reddish brown and much smellier. It was so disconcerting to have something come out of me so different from before. This high level of difference lasted about three weeks and then settled out. That's surprising because at yeah. that point there's definitely nothing left of the... You think, right? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah, except for what the bacteria that introduced to the system, I guess. Today, about five years on, I do have improvement in my life. While I'm still careful about what I eat, I can now eat out at a restaurant. I don't have to carry on Imodium. I can still get diarrhea and bloating and have to be careful, but I have definitely seen improvement in my quality of life. I would recommend the procedures to others if they are as miserable as I was. Uh, she does say the treatment cost me about 3000 Aussie dollars out of pocket. Only the colonoscopy was covered by Australian Medicare. Um, as are all colonoscopies. Yeah. Shout out to Australia. Uh <laughs> So hopefully that helps answer some questions. Yes, I'm aware my verb tenses are all over the place in this email. Ah, uh-uh, they were perfectly yep, chosen, Jennifer. And then says nice things about us and our podcast. So that's awesome. Thank First you, Jennifer. Hand. Holy yeah. cow! So now we have to decide: do we take this one anecdote to mean uh, across the? Uh, it's one. Yeah. It's I, one story, but it's a great yeah, story. I, it's a great story. I, whether that means that they work or not, who knows? There's probably more information to come out, but just the knowledge of what the procedure entails is all new information to yeah, me. So. Really yeah, my heart didn't... is racing right now. <laughs> Imagining trying to hold it somewhere yeah. else's. Yeah, <laughs> That was seven minutes and 30 seconds approximately. Wow, yeah, a lot of shit talk. Okay. Should, we, should we insert that? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll drop it like a... to tell people, fast forward seven and a half yeah. minutes. Yeah. It wasn't that graphic. We didn't like get into... It's, no. You know, uh, that yeah. is... I mean, it's, it seems like it's a great option if you can afford it. I, I also wonder if there is like... Because technically, it's not a sterile procedure because you're not breaking any, um, you're not breaking through any membrane, right? I wonder if it would be legal for somebody to, like the same way, to like to put to put it? something in could this you, end of the digestive system. You don't need to have medical license. Why Andy, do you have to? Andy's gesturing to the front end. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Could you? Are you saying like I guess the mouth end? De- the person, the restaurant can do. How it depends come on what can do the other. Yeah, are you saying like a non-medical back alley doctor? fecal transplants? Isn't that what I'm not saying? Do them, but like yeah. I'm saying, would they actually be illegal? Well, it, because one of the it does say one of the things that both she and the donor had to go through was a full health panel to show that they are. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Check. Check for all blood infections and everything. But hypothetically, so, couldn't a back alley fecal transplant just be held to the same standards of a restaurant with like the A B C D in the window? Just maybe, like what well, yeah. health comes through? I mean, a delightful just, job yeah. for someone to. Rate Thinking them. about this now, though, there potentially is a risk of infection of blood infections. If you think about, um, like, one of the easiest ways to transmit HIV, for example, is through anal tissue. Mm, like, yeah. through, okay. Like, because yeah, yeah, the blood vessels are thin absorbed. there. And, yeah. It's, and I guess, yeah, other food you're serving in a restaurant doesn't come out of a human being. I guess. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> exactly. It's being. Well, <laughs> it's an it's Somewhere in the circle. Yeah, cycle yeah, of life. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I had heard that there was some version of the gut bacteria or fecal bacteria that could be denatured of all the other shit, literally. Uh, or you removed. wouldn't even have to test for yeah. it. It's just the bacteria. Well, presumably, if this sort of thing does become successful, it would. there would be. Um, investigations to find out to try and isolate exactly what the healthy bacteria are and whether yeah. they can be cultivated in a lab and and then it yeah. would be bypassing all of this it would just be a pill or an enema of just the specific bacteria yeah. in high concentrates or, yeah i feel like amazing. it's probably one thing something that would need to be like so tailored i mean because the thing is it's like right like like the idea of having like a balanced gut is like so tailored to so yeah there's no one way it co-evolves with your own evolution or your own genes because that right that's the thing it's like if you if you take a human normal human body 
and just atomize them and then or not atomize them but like like liquefy them and then review the dna like most of it is not human dna yeah right right? so you're mostly not human and mostly not and i'm sure that non-humanness isn't the same person to person you're saying so it couldn't be yeah. like a one size fits all yeah solution yes yeah, so there's definitely more research needs doing i'm stopping the timer oh but, yeah okay that, and that was shit talk that was an awesome thank did, you did for sending that in all, we also had one more shit scientist or did, did we i, I think just, i mentioned all of them but then oh, okay. i could well have missed one of them there's Every possibility. Um, I feel. I feel like the thing. The thing with the uh, fecal transplant stuff is it feels a little bit like, uh, including the the way the advocacy and the way it's it's being talked about and researched clearly is a little bit akin to medical marijuana, as in like, like when you say like we all want to put someone else's well, poop yeah, up we our all butts. love it and it gets us <laughs> but we have to claim up. to find this way to <laughs> we have to say right, that we have anxiety <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no i guess what i mean though is like it's like it's like a complex organic thing that you're putting in your body that has good and bad elements to it and and i guess all medicine is like this because they're all derived ultimately from right. some organic thing but it just seems such like like a a blunt uh, it seems low, instrument. It seems low tech to the to the to the average person yeah. when they think of what they imagine technology and science is supposed to be, mean yeah. for the future. Like, surely the solution couldn't be a plant that you smoke or putting someone yeah. else's poop inside yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> or like, or surely we figured out how to isolate the quote unquote good part from the yeah. bad part yeah. or whatever. I don't know. It's just it, to me, I'm just like. God, science, well, like like this podcast shows, science is fucking weird. Science well, here's weird. a particularly weird bit of science that um, uh, we will link to on probablyscience.com, the hit website where you can find links to all of our stories and also the donation button. Yeah, but powered by Squarespace, by the way. Thank you, Squarespace. Squarespace powered probablyscience.com. Uh, hey, that donation button has been used um, in the past week by... Uh, the following people for for recurring donations. Thank you very much, uh, Murphy Shane. Thank you very much, uh, Emma Wilton, Caroline Laco. Uh, that's very generous of you. Thank you for a one-off donation from Shane Dodman. Um, and uh, oh, uh, oh, there we go. No, you know what? There was one more poop scientist, Sarah Kramer, mm-hmm. who also donated mm-hmm. in honor of all my famous uh, of all my fellow poop scientists. You shit on last week, says Sarah. <laughs> Uh, despite your insensitive remarks about my crappy field, I'm still a big fan. Uh, your podcast keeps me entertained while I study the microbes in professional athlete poop. Holy cow, Sarah. That's that... Three shit scientists we have listening. At That's least. Those are the ones that write in. Minimum. Yeah. yeah so, and they, it's gotta be they span digits. from like sort of physiology to environment shit mm-hmm. scientists. And like, oh, it's great. Isn't also, that, yeah, what's, engineer shit scientists? Isn't, isn't yeah. there some sort of general like um, measure for like if someone comments, you can sort of assume like... It uh, must mean this uh, many people. Are yeah, there. have yeah. that. You have that opinion. Hmm. I'm gonna go with one uh, percent of people would bother to comment, and certainly. Okay, so we have 300 shit. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna listeners. I'm gonna say conservatively 300 wow, shit scientists listening of... now, listening yeah. right now. That What's is up? And we also have a donation from uh, Jared uh, Pasek. Pasek. I'm not sure how you pronounce your last name. Uh, Jared says, "I'll donate my latitude every time you have a Merchant Mariner on." <laughs> This one is for Mac Knudsen. Uh, I'll even count those who've played one on TV, such as Tom Hanks, Kurt Russell, or Kelsey Grammer. Thanks, guys. So that means Th- we have 100 Merchant Mariners. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, thank you, Jared, uh, uh, th- for your kind donation. And might I suggest you travel further north 
in yeah, the next few yeah, months. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and particularly don't cross the equator, otherwise we will no. owe you money every time. <laughs> that would be a difficult donation to process. Yeah. Guy, he's in Antarctica right now. We owe him like $85. Yeah. <laughs> You'll try to get that Tropic of Capricorn money, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Twenty-three dollars. What is that? I was yeah. say, that would just be like twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, or negative. Oh, is it cancer? Uh, Capricorn would be negative twenty. Right? You yeah. know, here's the thing. I, I went for it. Do they even say negative, or do they just say 20, 20 degrees south? They just I think say it is. South. I think it would be negative as well. Yeah. Negative. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I hope I didn't misgender you, Jared. I'm guessing he because I. But it's J R I D. Oh, by the way, I liked uh, one of our shit scientists. We forgot to mention my name. His email return address was James Maddock, but he ended his uh, email with uh, your mate, Thor Rufflebottom. So I love <laughs> that our listeners also give themselves <laughs> nicknames. Um, yeah, he's a water. Did he nickname himself James? <laughs> yeah. He's uh, I'm Thor Rufflebottom, but my friends call me James. <laughs> He works at the Water Authority of Tasmania. Tasmania. Wait, I was Tasmania. Yeah, it's Tanzania and Tasmania. There we go. Yeah, and I, I always wanted to do the. Um, I feel like just having a Brit in the room makes you just you just throw out a different like syllable emphasis yeah. just to do it, just in case. It's just that I don't want to ever say Tanzania, but I do want to say Tanzania yeah. whenever I see that. You should that say Tanzania, <laughs> but Tasmania is all right. But Tanzania. Tan- Tanzanian devils aren't. Uh, okay. Let's talk mice and lasers. Let's do it. Yes. Uh, this was uh, was this one sent in by Baz Lovenberg? I think it was. It was uh, tweeted at us by him. Yes. Yeah. To at uh, probably science. Um, uh, using lasers, scientists turn mice into ferociously efficient hunters. What makes you think we'd want this story, Baz? <laughs> <laughs> a blue light affixed to a mouse's skull flicks on. In less than a second, the rodent charges towards a scuttling plastic bug grabs the toy and ferociously nibbles at it. Researchers at Yale University use this blue light to hijack the brains of mice. With a flip of a switch, the indifferent critters are transformed into determined hunters. Nice. Um, the respo- this response, the researchers found, originates deep in the amygdala, commonly known as the brain's emotion and motivation center. Writing in the journal Cell, neurobiologist Ivan Diarajo and colleagues describe this almond-shaped brain region as command center for predatory behavior. From the amygdala, two independent sets of neurons extend to sections of the brain dedicated to the pursuit and killing of prey. When we stimulated these neurons, the mice became more efficient hunters. Uh, They captured more and more and larger numbers of prey in shorter amounts of time. The scientists were able to stimulate the appropriate neurons using a technique called optogenetics, they re-engineered specific cells in the center of the amygdala so they would fire when the laser was turned on. The laser-activated mice would chase down just about anything, including the bug-like toys, chips of woods, bottle caps, and live crickets. Whoa. Um, Damn. Wait, is this laser is pointed into the skull? And yeah, there is, there is a picture of this. Neurons? The, the picture is maybe, a, or a video, is maybe marginally disconcerting if you're someone who is very against animal experiments. I I managed to graduate in my field without once killing a mouse. Really? Yeah, which is on I basically I I I found the one loophole in my shitty education which is that you could take statistics instead of a lab. Okay. Uh which seems irresponsible. Yeah, you'd think Oh, wow. so the the video here the second the laser's turned on it becomes noticeably more aggressive. Oh, no, that isn't from the study. You're looking at um, behind-the-scenes footage from the movie uh, A Mouse's Purpose. Yeah. <laughs> is, is what that is. 
Um, the article says it is tempting to compare these right Meister raging zombies attacking whatever unfortunate victim happens to get well, close. Why would anyone want to do that? But Dearaho says there is a key difference. So quit that thought right a second. The laser-activated mice did not attack other mice, nor did they eat more. Instead, the lasers seemed to enhance behaviors related to finding potential food. Generally, upon laser activation, mice readily seize, bite, and often ingest non-edible objects, the study authors wrote. Laser activation also abolished natural preferences for edible over non-edible items. Within 100 milliseconds of stimulating a mouse amygdala, the animal's neck and jaw muscles tensed up, um, the researchers observed. Um, when faced with a non-edible object or a live cricket, the mice would stretch out their necks, clutch their prey with two forepaws, and bite down. When the laser turned off, so did the hunting behavior. Hmm. Uh, and they found similar results when they activated the key mouse neurons using designer drugs instead of lasers. In addition... <laughs> Good. In addition, they were able to shut down hunting behaviors by killing certain neurons. For example, if the neurons controlling the jaw and neck muscles were destroyed, the mouse could chat, grab and chase its uh, prey, but could not bite hard enough to kill. It's likely that most vertebrates from rodents to big cats and primates are wired to hunt in the same way. When the, mi- when the brain receives sensory information such as the sight, smell, or sound of prey, it passes through the amygdala, which activates the appropriate motor responses. But tracking the path from sensory input to motor output has proved tricky. There is no obvious input from the eyes, nose, or ears into the amygdala, yet somehow the brain solves the task with remarkable efficiency. We have to disentangle that network, Dierajo said. Yeah, this video Until, is, because uh, that's how we're gonna get killer mice. That's how we're gonna do it. it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Um, it's pretty striking. That seems both obvious and insane yeah. at the same time. I guess. I guess no. You you know what it is? It's because like you fe- you think slash wish that behavior like attacking something wouldn't be on a one neuron level right yeah it's just a, a switch it's like yeah attack and don't attack yeah yeah i guess you'd sort of hope a complex cascade of things have to happen before you decide to grab something and bite it yeah it's, i just watched rogue one off the first time two nights ago and i guess maybe it's sort of like the brain's uh built-in uh, have you seen it yet yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. nuclear reactor uh, weak point or something oh yeah <laughs> yeah the... well right i guess that's Right, uh, all complex systems like, have one thing that could have their self-destruct button. Right? Yeah, um, a well, chain reaction happens. Mm-hmm. While we are talking about brain things, and this has been a very like uh, human and life science centered episode, but I figured that was appropriate given that we had someone with a background in yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do space next week, people. Stop your complaining. <laughs> um, and if you don't like shit a- or and politics, atoms. Yeah. yeah, we'll do yeah. space and atoms. It'll be all it'll be all quantum and galactic level yeah. science of next week. Um, Real, uh, this story was sent in by uh, uh, Paul Steenbeck. Um, real life psychopaths act- actually have below average intelligence. Mm. Mm, what could okay. be the relevance of this to recent? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to read this too much. It's a purely scientific just, yeah, story a, that is yeah. free from all political mm-hmm. uh, linkage. Um, it's kind of your fault if you read anything political into yeah. this, listeners. Yeah. yeah. This is a Rorschach test upon which you will <laughs> project. Manipulative, dishonest, and lacking in empathy. I'm sitting right here, Matt. I'm sitting right. <laughs> this is here. yeah. This is an intervention, actually. Oh, damn it! <laughs> Here's a poem that we have both written. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a haiku. <laughs> um, these the traits that often describe a, a psychopath aren't particularly pleasant. 
Um, but the idea that they're also fiendishly clever, as often portrayed in films and TV, isn't quite true. In fact, in general, psychopaths seem to have below average intelligence. Um, you probably met a psychopath at some point in your life. They make up around 1% of the population, says Brian Beltwell at St. Louis University. But speaking of which, if you're a psychopath, please email. Probablyscience.gmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear from you. Um, a person is classified as a psychopath if they achieve a certain score on a sense of psychopathic traits, which, will in- which include callousness, impulsiveness, aggression, and a sense of grandiosity. Not all psychopaths will break the law or hurt someone, but the odds of them doing so are higher. Uh, because many psychopaths are charming and manipulative, people have assumed they have above-average intelligence, says Boutwell. Psychologists term this the Hannibal Lecter myth, referring to the fictional serial killer from Silence of the Lambs. But, uh, the cannibal and psychiatrist. But, <laughs> Boutwell wasn't convinced. Psychopaths are impulsive, have run-ins with the law, and often get themselves hurt. That led me to think they are not overly intelligent. <laughs> to investigate... Um, he and his colleagues analyzed the results of 187 published studies on intelligence and psychopathy. Uh, these papers included research on psychopaths in prison, as well as those enjoying high-flying careers. They also enjoy included a range of measures of intelligence. Overall, the team found no evidence that psychopaths were more intelligent than people who don't have psycho- uh, psychopathic traits. In fact, the relationship went the other way. The psychopaths, on average, scored significantly lower on intelligence tests. About uh, what says, I think the results will surprise a lot of people. Um, and then Matt Delisi at Iowa State uh, hopes that the findings will help put the Hannibal Lecter myth to rest. The character promulgated the notion that psychopaths were highly intelligent, and there were real offenders that embodied this, like Ted Bundy. But I have interviewed thousands of offenders, some of which are very psychopathic, and I found that the opposite is true. In his experience, Delisi says psychopaths tend to do poorly at school. They are very sensation-seeking. They don't like to sit and read books. They end up engaging in substance abuse. Um, In his own interviews, he has found psychopaths to be rather inarticulate and to swear a lot. They talk over you in a brusque, aggressive style, he says. Uh, and then Boutwell hopes that his research... Oh, we should have interrupted you there. I yeah. know, I said, Motherfucker. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Sorry, we're all a beat behind <laughs> on the jokes. So you might have it. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Boutwell hopes that his research will add to a growing understanding of how psychopathy works and whether they, they, we might be able to treat it. As things stand, psychopaths tend to be considered untreatable and many of those who have been incarcerated end up reoffending. Psychopathy isn't amenable to psychotherapists, says Boutwell. As we better understand it, we should be able to develop treatment and rehabilitation for them. Uh, Changing the way people perceive psychopaths might also affect the way they're treated by the criminal justice system. If you have low intelligence, you could say they're likely to offend again, or you could say they have cognitive difficulties. Um, A lengthier prison sentence is not going to help them. You could make the argument in either direction. I like those, those sort of numerous misconceptions from films like yeah. the sort of all artistic all autistic people are savants uh, right yeah, I, yeah. I remember when Rain Man came out that was the first time I'd heard of autism yeah and it really was synonymous with like aut- autistic yeah, yeah. equaled autistic savant like that's yeah right. anyone who has autism should be taken immediately to a casino yeah. because <laughs> they are guaranteed here's to win a page money. of numbers <laughs> um is, is the, the one thing that kind of got glossed over in that article is the idea that they use Presu- they they mentioned it, so I assume they used they they said 
multiple types, multiple vectors of intelligence test. So I assume that means not what normally would be like the IQ test, which is highly quite limited. Yeah, and biased. Yeah. It just it seems like that. That's like I always feel like when I when I read like a popular science thing, they always like glide by something that I'm like, well, that's hold the part up, that I want to know, right? Yeah, yeah, what is what does that mean? Yeah, what was the test? Because they it, just they, yeah they analyzed the data I mean, that's yeah. already out there. I feel How like that? that like like especially like not to make it political, but like someone like Ben Carson really highlights the concept of fucking different types of intelligence uh-huh. yes like, someone who's clearly a very gifted neuroscientist yeah or sorry i'm Surge- uh, neurosurgeon rather yeah no neuro science. let's call him a mechanic yeah he's a really good mechanic <laughs> that well there definitely is an element of being a a world-class obviously you do have to have a fairly advanced level of medical training right. yeah but there is also you don't i mean there's this is an a- element to which they're also butchers <laughs> yeah oh i i want to I, I that's one thing i mean i'm your audience is the choir on this but physicians aren't scientists <laughs> like they you know they're science-based professions but they do not have to be a scientist right yeah my, my uncle's an orthopedic surgeon and i didn't know until he told me that there's all these like jokes at the expense of because they're like bone carpenters basically <laughs> oh god oh i i had an experience like the other day i i uh I went, I, I had to get a chest x-ray because my cough hasn't been going away. It's just, just gone in time for me to step into this studio. Uh, and the fucking, it was a nurse practitioner who saw me, prescribed a bunch of real medicine, and literally asked me, follow that up with, do you know what chemtrails are? <laughs> and it was insane. I, I literally, I, I had to, I texted my sister who was a physician to be like, do I need a second opinion on this fucking chest x-ray? Because, like, this is not a person who knows facts. Like, it was so crazy to be like, thank you for the codeine. I will need to shut my brain off for the rest of this conversation and consult a real medical professional, I guess. This will definitely stop you from dying in the next week. Also, do you have any more paint I can drink? It was bonkers. It was just like, this is crazy. I don't know how I'd react in that situation. It was like, yeah, it was was like I, I got chills. I was like, my mind was racing. I was just like, oh my God. To the point where I was like, I, I just like discreetly looked over at her name tag to make sure she wasn't a f- some kind of fraud who just <laughs> yeah, yeah. grabbed a white Which coat. Which does happen every so often. There are yeah. stories that come out of just... Yeah. yeah. I, I think there was one about a year ago where it turned out a guy had been just getting away with practicing medicine in a hospital for yeah. about a year because he just walked in with enough confidence and grabbed yeah. a white coat. <laughs> there's, mean, a, yeah, there's a kid like, uh, that's gotten arrested multiple times for that. And I and that, sort of admire him at this point. That true story, the uh, check fraud guy who also, the DiCaprio movie, yeah, yeah. Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just watched some like medical dramas and then just walked around confidently in a hospital for a while. I mean, it is really remarkable. Anyway, so look. Uh, a person who thinks that my health issues may be related to chemtrails yeah. says I'm not contagious. Oh, here okay. we go. Yeah, Florida. T- <laughs> the one you're talking about, Florida teenager posed as doctor at a hospital for a month. Yeah, so um, it was fucking ball. And he's like a kid, right? He's Seventeen-year-old like, boy. <laughs> yes, he was seventeen years Hell old. Hell yes. This is in early January. Uh, sorry, mid- this is early 2015. Um, he, uh, I believe he's reoffended since then, like recently. <laughs> Quite, but he he was found um, at St Mary's Medical Center in West Palm Beach, uh, wearing a white lab coat, face mask, and a stethoscope. And he told the police that he'd been practicing for years. <laughs> like he's, yeah, 
He presents. He has been. <laughs> we just need to channel that energy into something positive. Get him out to Hollywood. This kid's a born actor. I mean, Let's cast him in something. Or medical school. Or medical. <laughs> <laughs> it's that good. Fake it till you make it. It really is doctor. like, yeah. It looks like he might not have actually done much real doctoring. Like according to the security cameras, he was wandering around the wings and stuff and being called doctor by people but didn't wander into any patients' rooms in this specific situation. Uh, well, here's the counterpoint to that. Like, so much shit is psychosomatic. Like, so much of medicine turns out to be bedside manner. Uh-huh. Well, that is that is one, one of the reasons why people f- f- get such positive effects from alternative medicine. Yeah. Nearly all of which is thoroughly debunked and the stuff doesn't becomes absorbed into medicine. Yeah. But um, there there is a lot to be said for... Um, every, you know, doctors. Partic- so many doctors are um, overworked and overstressed yeah. and under resourced when it comes to dealing with patients. And then you go to some clinic where someone who has the mannerisms and yeah. shape and of a doctor, yeah. and confidence of a doctor, and, and wears the, a white and coat, the goddamn white coat, yeah, sits you down for. 30 40 minutes and does all these things that doctors do. You know, it's, it's pure cargo cult, right, but yeah. like they he goes yeah. through all the motions of like you know, checking your pulse and looking at different parts of you with lights and talks to you about your history and really goes through this process. And then you just go, Oh, this this man or woman knows, yeah, this they they know what I'm this. Oh, they've really yeah. taken an interest and they're almost certainly going to cure me. Now they give you something potion or yeah, or tell you to, to stop eating you. your pork or meat or and whatever. Yeah, you, yeah. Just, you leave that feeling better. Of course, you leave that feeling better. You leave therapy feeling better when they're not giving you any medicine because they're just listening yeah. to you talk yeah. for a, an hour. I have a I I I feel like I'm I'm in a, a place where like because of as we can remind listeners from the top of because I have some training in like a hard neurological science yeah. I feel like therapy will not work on me because I do not but like I, I, I've had that same I didn't go for a while I did yeah. for a while then I quit I should probably go back but like yeah I was like am I just gonna be like this is bullshit in the back of my head yeah. or something or like doubt the intelligence of the person yeah. I'm talking to or, well, or, or the fact that I mean like I've I've met therapists i don't i don't know what they are who will in 2017 look me in the fucking eyes and be like i practice freudian psychology yeah. which is like what the fuck is like how is that possible how is that yeah. legal it, it depends what you want to get out of it like if, it, well, if yeah. it's just like offloading offloading yeah, your yeah. feelings and thoughts onto a third party sounding board who is not yeah. Who is independent of your life? Yeah, right. It's a yeah, but it, like it was just like the th- what the hell? Like oh, I'm just like really your theoretical underpinnings are just a bunch of shit that some like one dude fucking dude made yeah, up. Yeah, it's just weird. It's weird it to is. me that like they're so confident. Even but you can even put that in your title and still say doctor. Yeah, even yeah. the title of doctor is such a weird like. Yeah, so many professions you can. You can dedicate your life to, and your 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 name will never change. This week we're going to get a flood yeah. of messages from psychologists and psychiatrists. No, I'm saying yeah, even medical please, doctors. Like, yeah, the best comedian in the and world never doctors. gets to add a different title to his name because he <laughs> right. became the best in the world. At right, it. right. Like, he's still just Mister. Well, Mrs. I don't know. Right. Like, um, that Bill Cosby had a lot of honorary <laughs> doctorates. <laughs> yeah, subsequently revoked. Doctor William H. Cosby. Um, Wait, I I had one other question actually about, um, yeah, I I feel like well, so so the study about psychopathy, it's we, it's not even a question. It's a, what like I I think the other part is 
that that's very commonly completely misconstrued is like what psychopathy is. is yeah because all we think of is hannibal lecter of the bad side of hannibal lecter as well like it's just like yeah not all the patients that he killed yeah right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't really know what the difference between sociopathy and psychopathy is and i don't know what, how it how it relates to like autism spectrum disorders yeah. it seems like it's Dude, a little it's, john ronson wrote that book about the psychopath test yeah uh, that goes into that but i now cannot remember it yeah i'm not sure they're even re- this i mean like they certainly have to do with uh, uh relating to the emotions of others right so i mean that yeah. seems like it's related I, to psychopath autism. is such a great word because the roots are like brain bad <laughs> it's like wait what is that brains yeah what is psychopathy well the 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 brain part is diseased it's just bad it's, ah, it's um, so weird so according to medical daily there is not much difference between a psychopath and a sociopath nice um it's just the number of facebook friends uh but um uh, uh yeah hang on this is a website while, that's taking while you're looking that up i'm curious this sort of relates to your podcast do, do you think that psychopath is being thrown around the way that racist is being thrown around like that yeah. people are just kind of blanketly like accused to a point that it might be devaluing yeah. both words I, so. I, it definitely I, is and it's also one yeah. of the words if we uh, that um things like psycho along with things like schizo and other things yeah. like the use of medical terms for various m- mental conditions just uses instead as a pejorative yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Well, that is very damaging and the, the thing with racist that I struggle with yeah. because the the thing that gets you in the door to my podcast is a, probably there's a prickle of outrage at like the things that I call racist. And because I, I basically... You're saying people might come to the podcast to be outraged at what you're saying? Or, yeah. Oh, okay. And, and also it's like one of those things where it's like, I, I just, the bit of my podcast is like, look... Everything is motivated on some historical level by some sort of racial bias, mm-hmm. more or less. And so it's kind of like, I just say everything's racist, but then let's <laughs> talk about what it means and where the place of it is. Does, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. it's like one of those things where it's like, people are like, oh, you devalue racism. And I'm like, or the, sorry, the word racist. And uh-huh. I agree with that, but I'm just like, the my c- counterpoint that I will say which is not a counterpoint because it's not an argument really is that like yeah but like the shit i say in the subsequent discussion is not wrong right so it doesn't you know matter I mean? how you got into the yeah so so i guess what i'm saying what i say is like i'm like yes the word racist has been thoroughly devalued but like we don't really have a better word yeah and arguing that x or y thing is not racist is also wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone... When well, if you're opening the door, as long as you're saying, not to tell you how to frame racism... Man, do whatever, yeah, uh, man. But yeah, it seems like it's a more productive thing for people to talk about the ways in which we are all racist rather than being like, it's bad, therefore I'm not it, none of it is me. Yeah, and yeah. Like, when, you, when it's like that, then it's yeah. like, well, you're not being honest then if you're not able to like talk about your own biases. Yeah. If, because you've been told this is the worst epithet that can be leveled, yeah. therefore it must in no way apply to me. Right. I can't be honest. Yeah, in a way, uh, I mean, look, it's a controversial and look, there are huge arguments that are very smart about why this theory is wrong. But 
it's kind of good to devalue the word racism so everyone can start to accept that they hold racist views right. and use that to like fucking try to like get somewhere. It's like training the police to do to, to um, like that Steven Pinker book, thinking fast and slow, like the quick judgments that your brain makes, but like training yeah. your higher functioning parts of your brain to question those yeah, and yeah. take a second, take a yeah. few extra seconds to think about um, whether there was an inherent bias. Very quickly, know. according yeah, yeah. to the, it seems to be the difference between psych psychopath and sociopath is a psychopath lacks a moral compass a sociopath has a moral compass but it is extremely skewed um so um psychopaths are fearless sociopaths aren't psychopaths don't have a sense of right and wrong sociopaths do but they're equally capable of ruining lives and destroying relationships and without caring right like sociopaths have a sense of right and wrong it just isn't what society's view of right and wrong is. yeah so sort of a psychopath doesn't have a conscience effect um a sociopath has a conscience but it's weak right uh they might know that taking your money is wrong and might feel some guilt or remorse but they won't stop the behavior right well you know like you know, everyone thinks, not everyone, but, you know, a sociopath also thinks that he's the hero of his story. Yeah. Like, Hitler thought he was the hero. Um, and, of course, all? he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I mean, no, no, not Hitler, but, I mean, <laughs> don't, we all, said, don't we all think Hitler was a hero? No, don't we all think we are our own, you know, or um, my sociopath? Shit. Well, yeah. yeah damn it. No, I think, well, definitely, you know, write, writing 101, like, writing a good story, like, yeah. the, the baddie doesn't think he's the baddie. Yeah. I feel like that's higher level. That's like a 404 kind of Yeah, if that level. was 101, there'd be so many comic book movies that wouldn't have gotten made. Because, like, yeah. those, they don't, the bad guys that's have true. no real motivation. I'm like, what do you gain from blowing up the universe? That's been one of my favorite <laughs> things on my podcast recently is a little game where we're like, what, is, what does Paul Ryan think in X or Y situation? Like, like on, on this, like, healthcare thing, it's like... He thinks, and look, lots of people who are probably, you know, very kind people in life think that, like, the way to prosperity for everyone is to have competition and choice and healthcare and blah, 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 or whatever. It's just this one thing where I'm like, it's, it's so many leaps and it's so weird and I don't, I don't relate to it. So it's so hard for me to understand how he's the hero of his story specifically with the issue of healthcare or with a lot of other things or, I mean, kind of everything yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know but I, yeah, it's, 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 hard it's just to... interesting to me in a way that i so don't relate and it, it is funny like talking about sociopathy it's like i feel like my moral compass is so far from like someone like paul ryan's that i'm like one of us is wrong. One of us, and by the way they call be... it sociopathic personality disorder if you're a psychiatrist okay right, right, right. spd <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, I don't it's, know. Uh, uh, the, uh, but we're in this weird, <laughs> yeah. Like the old rules for everything are out the window. I, I, you can't try to empathize, or can't try to get your head into the head of like a Kellyanne Conway or Sean Spicer or something. Because yeah. it's just like the fundamental rules are gone for how conversations happen, how debates happen. Yeah. For, uh, I mean, what yeah. Is a fact. What I mean, their idea? pitch is all of these things are justified for everyone. Because business, yeah, I don't. I just, I, I just don't get, get it. The fundamental thing yeah. behind it all, yeah. But you know what? That's why I'm a cuck. Yeah, that's <laughs> why. <laughs> that's 
one. They're mavericks and we're cucks. They're yeah. rogues and we're uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> are we are we going out on cucks? <laughs> we all are. We're all going out on. Hey, Andrew. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Andrew T, uh, A-N-D-R-E-W-T-I. Uh, I'm the only Andrew T that will ever exist, probably. Um, and uh, my podcast is called Yo, Is This Racist? As is my blog. Very findable. Give it a listen. It's available everywhere that podcasts are. Correct. Um, we are obviously at probably science, probably science.com, probably science on the Facebook, individually at Matt Kirshen, at Andy T. Wood, and at Jesse Case. Also give Jesse versus Cancer yep. a listen. Um, you can donate at probably science.com. You can also find our Amazon shopping link, which uh, if you're doing any shopping through Amazon, go through our link first. Yeah. Set that as your browser uh, bookmarks. You don't have to remember. It gives us a kickback, it costs you no extra. Uh, and the other way you can help us out is by spreading the word. I know loads of you do that. Uh, tweet about it, mm-hmm. Facebook about it, tell your friends, uh, explain to your friends what a podcast is, mm-hmm. and then use us as the first example. Um, and uh, that's just write nice things about us on iTunes, give us nice ratings. That's pretty much everything. Oh, wait, I wanted to plug one oh, thing. You could, you could uh, get your oh. PhD in diarrhea and, yes. then, and then tell your other shit scientist friends about it, because that's, I think, the core demo here. Apparently yeah, so. I want to know if we yeah. have any psychopathic shit scientists. If you're in that Venn diagram, yeah. you listen to our show, email <laughs> that is us. A, that is a terrifying combination. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, either, you don't want that much power in either that. Either a very clean or very messy lab. <laughs> It's an important thing to keep in mind. Like, I'm, I'm kind of anal about my lab, but we all are. Yeah. We all are. We're shit scientists. Like, what are you talking about? Um, I you- wanted to plug uh, the, the show that I spent last summer writing on. Um, oh, yeah. Mindfield, starring Michael Stevens of Vsauce fame. It, the first two episodes are out. The first one is viewable for free. Just uh, search Mindfield in YouTube or go to youtube.com slash Vsauce. Um, yeah, it's it was really fun. It's a psychology based show. We try to nice. recreate some classic psych experiments and um, do the fish poison or the frog poison one next oh my year. God, why couldn't we have done that? Yeah. So uh, um, and Michael Stevens is is great as is Vsauce. So go check out Mindfield episodes one and two are now live. Um, and also San Francisco. I forgot to mention this Friday and Saturday I will be at Sketchfest. So um, I'm going to be doing both setlist and prompter on Friday night two different shows and then the following afternoon I'm hosting a pretty cool lineup at 2 2 o'clock um, so go through Sketchfest all the dates sfsketchfest.com all the dates and info is up there and we will see you next week thank you Andrew thank you listeners thanks for having me this was awesome bye bye